peace of our Lord be with you. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Those who want to save their lives will lose them. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find it. Sitting with those words this week made me think again, as I have before, that the biggest obstacle to the successful church might be the real Jesus. If the Jesus of the four Gospels is the nearest Jesus we have to the real Jesus, then oddly enough, one of the biggest obstacles to the successful church might actually be the real Jesus. The successful church in our American culture is a church which, as Barbara Brown Taylor once wrote, makes it easy for people to come and rewarding for people to stay. Talk to any of the church growth experts, she continues, and they will tell you that the basic idea is to find out what people are looking for and give it to them so that they will decide to stay put instead of continuing to shop for a church down the street none of which is bad or wrong necessarily, and all of which would make perfect sense were it not for the fact that the church is in the world not to succeed on the terms of American consumerism, but to follow Jesus. That's our only reason for being here. And if the four Gospels are a trustworthy record of the words and works of Jesus, then Jesus did not appeal to people on the basis of their own comfort and self-interest. Rather, the Jesus of the Gospels, when faced with a crowd of potential prospects said you all need to stop and think about this before you sign on with me you need to understand that those who join with me must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me.
And that's the sweet, nice version we get in Matthew and Luke, in Mark. In Luke, Jesus adds, for good measure, that to follow him will require us to love following him even more than we love our families. And if that were not bad enough, he concluded it by saying, and anyone who follows me will have to give up all of their possessions. Little wonder we soon created the Christ of Christianity. The Christ of Christianity is more manageable than the Jesus of the Gospels. By the fourth century, the Jesus of the Gospels, who said that those who want to save their lives will lose them, had become the Christ of Christianity with armies marching at his command to defend his church and his interest. And with the passing centuries, the Jesus of the Gospels who said that he had nowhere to lay his head owned cathedrals and castles, material wealth, and political power. Add to all that our modern American contributions of consumerism, capitalism, and civil religion nationalism, and what you have is a Christ of Christianity we can all live with. A manageable, marketable Christ who bears only the slightest of resemblances to the Jesus of the four Gospels who greeted crowds by saying, you all might want to stop and think about this. To follow me will mean to deny yourself, to live outside your own self-interest, safety and comfort. Take up your cross daily. Make yourself vulnerable and leave yourself open. I'm going to a cross, he said, and you cannot follow me without ending up stretched out on one yourself. Which is why I say that irony of ironies, one of the greatest obstacles to the successful church is the real Jesus. I often wonder when churches market themselves to people on the basis of how comfortable and convenient they are and how many programs and activities they have to offer, at what point in the process do they sit down with those 
new members in their living room and tell them that the truth is the gospel is not a call to comfort, but rather to a vulnerable and open life, a life as vulnerable and open as the nailed and naked body of Jesus stretched all the way up and all the way out on the cross. If churches succeed by appealing to people's self-interest, at what point do they break to them the bad news about the good news? The truth that the real Jesus said that in order to follow him, we must live beyond our own self-interest and comfort. Deny ourselves and take up of all things, a cross. Of course, even as those words are forming in my mouth and leaving my lips, I am asking myself the question, and exactly who are you to be raising such questions as these? Let's be honest. We all know it, so we may as well say it. The real Jesus would not accept my salary to preach the gospel and serve the church. Let's, let's just be as truthful as we're capable of being while we're all in the same room on Sunday morning. We can do that in church. Oh, my sisters and brothers, every now and then we just have to remember all this. Every once in a while, we just have to remember that the real Jesus, the Jesus of the four Gospels, is just not the same as the manageable, marketable, institutionally successful Christ of Christianity. William Sloan Coffin once said that the mind once stretched by a new idea can never return to its original shape. And it is true. Somewhere along the way, not as a result of going to seminary or graduate school, but only as a result of one thing and one thing only, and that is reading the four Gospels over and over and over again. My mind became stretched by a new idea, and it has never returned to its original shape since. That new idea is that there is a real difference between Jesus 
and the Christ of Christianity. It is what Wendell Berry calls the burden of the gospel. The burden of knowing that beneath, behind, and beyond all of our wonderful, helpful, important institutional Christianity, and it is wonderful, helpful, and important, there is the simple call of the real Jesus who invites us to an indescribably exhilarating life of courage and compassion. A life which is formed by and shaped like the cross, stretched all the way up to God and all the way out to others. I, like you, in recent years have read and thought a lot about how the church in America is declining and how 20 years ago an active church member was somebody who was in church 40 Sundays a year and today it's someone who's in church 18 Sundays a year and the percentage of people who are not going to church on a regular basis, we've talked about that, thought about that a lot around here and it's everywhere. Sometimes I wonder if the reason for that is because we have tried to be things we are not supposed to be and do things we are not supposed to do. Maybe what we were supposed to do was follow Jesus. Get ourselves all stretched up to God and out to others on the cross. Stretched up to God in love and worship and devotion and song and praise. And stretched out to others in compassion and hospitality and welcome and charity and justice. Maybe that's why people have lost interest in us. Maybe we just need to be content to love God with all that is in us up and love others as we love ourselves out. Oh, it'll, you know what that'll do. It'll give us more than we can think about or handle or take care of. And as Jesus promised, it'll get us in trouble. Deny yourself. Take up a cross. You, you can't follow somebody who is headed to a cross and stay out of pain any more than you can follow somebody who's headed to the Dairy Queen and stay out of a blizzard. <laughs> Why did we think? that following somebody who was headed to a cross was going to keep us comfortable and safe and secure. Where did that idea come from? Oh, my sisters and brothers, love God with all that is in us and love others as we love ourselves. 
and the practical, ordinary, everyday, at work, at church, at school, reality of that is that we will find ourselves sitting down with and standing up for the same people Jesus sat down with and stood up for. Whomever is most voiceless and powerless, marginalized and oppressed, broken and embarrassed, humiliated and hurting. And every time we do that, you can rest assured we are following Jesus. Maybe even gaining on him a little bit. Amen.